الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعد الله المؤمنين والمؤمنات جنات تجري من تحتها الانهار خالدين فيها ومساكن طيبه في جنات عدن ورضوان من الله اكبر ذلك هو الفوز العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم In Surah Tawbah of the Quran Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed this verse وَأَنَّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ that verily Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised has pledged to the believing men and the mu'minat and the believing women jannat gardens or heaven under which rivers flow and they will dwell therein forever and they will have beautiful abodes for them however after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then adds another thing وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ but know that the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ridwan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even greater than all of the bounties that jannah has to offer and then he ends the ayah by saying dhalika huwa al-fawzul azim that know that this final blessing of the ridwan or the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate success is the supreme success that any anybody can hope for so in other words in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to us that his pleasure which in Arabic we call his ridwan or his rida is the greatest blessing of jannah now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you think about it he is the creator the master the owner of all things that are in both this world and in the akhirah and whenever allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with one of his servants then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants to such a servant from whatever he wants from his dominion so we discover then that if human beings were made for the akhirah In other words, right, the ultimate objective of our life is to earn the akhirah, to be successful in the hereafter. And in this verse, Allah SWT is telling us is that the ultimate reward in the akhirah, in the hereafter, is His pleasure. So what we learn from this verse then is that actually, the reason Allah SWT made human beings was that so He could bestow upon them His pleasure. Because the reason Allah SWT made human beings was that so that they would attain the akhirah, attain jannah. That means in other words that the quest of every person's life should be that somehow I should make myself in a way that I'm pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the way of this deen, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this deen through ibadah, through worship, through salah, through prayer, through dhikr, through remembrance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all of these paths that lead to this fawzul azim or lead to this ultimate success which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala another thing that means is that because in jannah right the highest level in jannah or the supreme state in jannah would be the highest manifestation of love or muhabbat for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that would be the rank of those people who have attained qurb or proximity to Allah So in other words what it means is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ridwan or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure is the highest aspect of his love or mahabba for humanity and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ridwan or his pleasure is the highest aspect of qurb or being close or near or intimately close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in fact in, in this this uh, theme occurs in several places in the Quran that the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest blessing of jannah it is the essence 
of being in Jannah, in other words, the greatest happiness that the people of Jannah will have is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them at all times. In fact, it comes in the date the Prophet said that there will come a moment where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will turn to the people of Jannah and say, Ya Ahl Jannah, that O inhabitants of, of heaven. And in response, that's it, that's all he will say. And in response, he will say, Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik, that O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are present, we are here, we're answering your call. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say that, Are you pleased with me? Are you radhi with me? In other words, are you pleased with the fact that I've entered you into Jannah? And the people of Jannah will respond that, Ya Allah, how could we not be pleased with you that you have granted us such a glorious abode? An abode of peace, of tranquility, of contentment, of itminan, an abode of salam. In fact, uh, in one uh, beautiful ayah of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is a da'i. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is making da'wah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is inviting us to this abode of peace. In which people will dwell forever in peace and contentment. So the, so the people respond that, Ya Allah, how can we not be pleased with you that you have admitted us into Jannah, which is the greatest of all of your creations, which is, I mean, the greatest abode, or the greatest dwelling place that there can possibly be. As we are residing in the greatest residence that you have created. Then Allah SWT will address them, Shall I not grant you something better? Shall I got, grant you something greater? Even than that which has already been bestowed upon you, in other words, even greater than this ni'mah, this bounty, or this blessing of Jannah. So then the people of Jannah will be amazed and will say, Ya Allah, Ya Rabb, what is it that is better than Jannah? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, that I will bestow upon you my rida, my pleasure. I will bestow upon you my rida, my pleasure, and that is where the defense and after this point, I will never be displeased with you. In other words, I have given you this abode for eternity, and at a certain point, at a certain time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do a'lan of his rida, or he will tell the people of Jannah, that I will be pleased for you, for all of eternity. In other words, right, a person technically could have had this fear, right, that perhaps, at some point, maybe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might be upset with us. For example, surely the people of Jannah would remember the story of Adam alayhi salam and Ammahawa, that they too were inhabitants of Jannah. But at some point, they did something in which they displeased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person in Jannah might have had this fear that, okay, I succeeded in, the material, in my worldly life in the dunya. I passed the test on the Day of Judgment. And I'm here in Jannah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them this final and greatest blessing that I want you to know that you'll have my Ridwan for all of eternity. And this is a very famous hadith that's in the collections of both Bukhari and Muslim. So again, then what we learn from this hadith as well, in addition to that verse from the Qur'an and Surah Tawbah, is that verily Allah SWT's pleasure, Him being pleased with us, is the greatest of blessings in the entire universe. And when a person has the pleasure of Allah, then he has all forms of happiness. And so therefore that is true of this world as well. That if somehow in this world we are able to get the pleasure of Allah, and in fact that is what the Sahaba got, Right in the Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Sahaba and He says, Radiallahu anhum wa an. There's a reason why we say Radiallahu anhu after any time we take the name of a Sahaba. Because in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Radiallahu anhum, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them wa an and they are pleased with Him. 
This means then that the rank of the Sahaba is so incredible that in this world, in this material dunya, in this lifetime, they receive the glad tidings of the greatest blessing, the greatest na'mah in the universe. The greatest blessing that will be given to the people of Jannah. The greatest bounties that exist in the hereafter. Which is Allah's pleasure. They were able to attain that in this world. And that is sort of the mark and the model that they set for us. The, and if you open up this hadith, if you open up this conversation, right, the first question Allah asked them that, are you pleased, right? And then they responded that, Ya Allah, how could we not be pleased? But this shows you then, right, what the hadith scholars took from this, is that if you want Allah to be pleased with you, you have to be pleased with Him. Right? And that's a saying of the Prophet if you ever want to know, if a person ever wonders, if I want to know if my Lord is pleased with me, then they should simply look into their heart and see that if they're pleased with their Lord. If you are radhi, if you are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with you. So in that conversation in Jannah, a prerequisite prior to them getting the ridwan or the pleasure of Allah was that they themselves did iqrar, they themselves testified that they were pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean to be radhi, right? If we want to check, right, that am I radhi, am I pleased with Allah? So the way to check is that do I follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commandments happily? And do I get pleasure from doing so? So the first thing is do I willingly, happily, contentedly follow the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do I derive pleasure from that? Is that the thing that gives me pleasure in this world? And am I sad or do I fall into despair or depression whenever I violate one of his rules or whenever I omit one of his commandments? If that is the case, if a person finds that in their heart, then they can think that truly I am pleased with Allah and then they can have that hope that perhaps, hopefully, their heart's desire is that Allah SWT is pleased with them. However, if someone does not follow Allah SWT's commands or follows them but they give them no pleasure, they don't follow them happily then they should be scared that what this might mean is that this is a sign that I myself am not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I haven't attained the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore I must do something I have to change something about myself right I have to reform myself and this is really what the Sahaba Karam used to do was, how did they reach this state that Allah was pleased with them and that they were pleased with Him they used to continually examine themselves they would wonder Right? In fact, after this ayah was revealed, that Sahaba expressed a wonder that Ya Rasulullah how is it that Allah SWT is pleased with us? Right? How is it that Allah has made this declaration in the Quran, radiallahu anhum? And the Prophet said that, O oh my companions, the very following verses are why Allah is pleased with you. In other words, what on the fact that Allah has said that you are pleased with Him. It's your being pleased with Him that has led Allah SWT to be pleased with you. Now, obviously a person can understand that, okay, I'm, I'll be pleased with Allah SWT when times are good. But how can I, be, how can I remain pleased with Allah SWT when things are going bad? What if there is something in my life that is making me sad? What if there is something in my life that is making, is filling me with despair? What if there is something in my life that I view as a difficulty or a test 
or a trial or an affliction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can I be, how can I be pleased with Him still at this moment? And this is the twin sort of teachings of what we call sabr and shukr. Sabr means fortitude or endurance and shukr means gratitude and thankfulness. So obviously in good times a person uh, should feel grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, should be thankful. However, in other words, shukr is related to rida. In a state of shukr, you should also be pleased with Allah. But in a state of sabr, you should also be pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, whatever uh, test or difficulty He sends your way, and you have to endure that. And sometimes you're not always going to understand why. And it's human nature sometimes to even right from the depth of your heart, cry out and ask, why me? Why is this happening to me? Right? But the real test of your iman is, in other words, the test is not to discover why. Human beings are not responsible to discover why things happen to them. Human beings are responsible that can you maintain your pleasure with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment, at that moment of confusion, right? And that is, I mean, what uh, one poet once put in a poem. He said that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I am always happy with you. How can I be otherwise? When the vast majority of times you have given me health, how can I not be pleased with you when you afflict me with sickness? When the vast majority of time you give me food, how can I be displeased with you when on an occasional basis you send me hunger? So it means that if we look at our lives truly, if we reflect the vast majority of our time, the vast majority of our life has been spent drowning in the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Him testing us is only on an occasional basis so it befits us that we always be pleased with our Lord. And this is the story of Luqman alayhi salam. And uh, there was a king who gave fruit to Sayyidina Luqman. And he said that why don't you eat from the fruit? And the king was doing this as a very... Uh, Allah Rumi rahimahullah has mentioned this in his, in his Mathnavi. The king was doing this as a sign, a sign of kindness or a gesture of kindness. And so Luqman alayhi salam ate the fruit. Luqman al-Sayyim, sorry, tells the story. Luqman al-Sayyim is told the story of a king and a person, a king and a subject. Or in some versions it's, it's written as a master and a slave. And he gives, right, his subject or his khadam some fruit to eat. And the khadam starts eating. He eats one fruit. And then he eats a second fruit. And then he eats a third fruit off the platter. And then the king looking at the shawk or the dhok or the earnestness and the intent and how the khadam seems to be driving pleasure from eating the fruit, the king itself right, begins to become hungry, and he begins to be attracted towards the fruit. So he takes a piece of fruit, and he eats it, and that first bite, he, he scowls, he makes a face. And he says, oh my khadam, this fruit is so bitter. Why is it that you're eating it? Just leave it. And how is it that you're eating it with such earnest, one after the other with a smile on your face? And the khadam said that, oh my king, so many times you have given me so many sweet things to eat, I thought that if once you happened to give me something that was bitter, it would not befit my place as your servant, it would not befit your majesty as king, that I should somehow frown or turn away from that which you give me. Because even though it is bitter, it is still given to me by you, and the fact that it is given to me by you makes it sweet in my eyes. Right? And that's how, I mean, I mean this is sort of very high level, but this is how some people used to view summer. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this test and trial has come from you. And you have taught us that we should bear this with fortitude, with endurance, and with patience. However, in addition to that, we're going to bear it with, ple- with pleasure. We will happily bear it. We will smiling bear it. 
Not because we happily enjoyed the test or the difficulty, but because we know it came from you. Because it has nisbat, it's affiliated from you. And each and anything you send our way, we realize must be uh, just a means of our own betterment, and therefore we will take it happily. And on the flip side, in another deed that Apostle Islam, he, he said that Allah SWT said, this is what we call a hadith qudsi. Allah SWT says that there is no being of worship, right? There is no ma'bud other than me. And then Allah SWT says that that person who does, does not have sabr, that person who does not have patience when I afflict him with a difficulty, nor does he or she give thanks or she grateful when I endow her with a blessing, nor is she pleased at my commands, she bridles at my rules and regulations, she is not pleased with the fact that I have laid down laws, rules and regulations for her, she should make someone else her Lord. This is the words of the day, right? That that person... So, and, and it's, it's strange because Allah SWT starts by saying that there is no ma'bud, there is no God other than me. However, that person who does not have sabr when I afflict a difficulty upon him, nor has shukr when I bestow a blessing upon him, nor has ridha or is pleased at my ahkam, at my rulings, then they should simply go seek someone else as their Lord. Right? That is a very powerful statement, right? That means that not being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is enough to remove us from our ubudiyah or our abdiyat or our servanthood or our relationship with Him. And this is why in the early teachings of the Sawaf they used to say that zuhud or asceticism does not mean that you eat coarse food or harsh food or frugal food or that you wear coarse clothing or that you dress in a poor way but rather zuhud means that you remain pleased and content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every sense in each and every way that is the real meaning of zuhud and that's why those of you in the class would remember that zuhud was coupled with ridha that you should have right uh, abstinence from the world is marked by pleasure or contentment being pleased or content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Another uh, another early shaykh said that whomsoever is not pleased, whomsoever is not radhi with each and every hukum of Allah, there is no cure for such folly. And there's a famous famous ruler, uh, Shaykh Umar ibn uh, Shaykh Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah, and he said that other than receiving the fate of Allah subhanahu wa taala and fulfilling the commandments that Allah has given me, I find no happiness in life. In other words, he said that the only thing that gives me pleasure, one thing is to say, okay, I'm pleased by following Allah's commands. Shaykh Umar ibn Aziz rahimahullah said that the only thing in the world that gives me pleasure is following Allah's commands. I only derive happiness and pleasure when I'm engaged in His worship, in His obedience, in His remembrance. Nothing else from the world gives me real pleasure. That is temporary pleasure. It's one level of pleasure. Fudayl ibn Ayyad rahimahullah, another famous early shaykh, said, that when a person has no distinction between Allah's giving and taking away, then a person is truly radi. In other words, if you want to know, how, am I really pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it doesn't make a difference to you, it doesn't affect your level of pleasure. In other words, you are equally pleased with Him when He gives you something, and you're equally pleased with something when He doesn't give you something. Sufyan Thori, rahimahullah, once said, that, O oh Allah, he made a du'a to Allah SWT, O Allah, grant us your pleasure.
the story is that Sheikh Sufyan Allah once said, made a dua in Rabia Basri. Uh, uh, may Allah have mercy on her. Happened to overhear. So Sufyan Thuri made the dua that, Oh Allah SWT be radhi with us. And Rabia Basri immediately accosted him and said, That Oh Sufyan Thuri, don't you have shame? That you yourself are not completely pleased with your Lord, yet you are asking your Lord to be completely pleased with you. And after that, Sufyan Thuri said, Astaghfirullah, he asked Allah's forgiveness and repented of his ways and said that, No Allah, Ya Allah, asked, make me pleased with you and after that grant me your pleasure. So in other words, we're taught then by the story that we have to make dua. This is something that we have to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. And it's really important that when you're trying to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to use this tool of dua. Because there's so many people in this world who make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for success in their studies. They make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a good pious husband. They make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a good job or a halal income. They make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for so many things. All of them are fine. There are very few people left in the world who make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask him only ask from him only himself. Ask from him his ta'luk. Ask from him that they want a relationship with him. Ask from him his qurb. Ask from him his proximity that Ya Allah there is nothing else that we want in the whole world. That at least at this moment or on this day, Allah I'm turning to you in dua and on this moment in this dua I'm asking from you only you I want nothing from you except you I want that you make me pleased with you and by virtue of that through the barakah of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I want you to become pleased with me so this is something the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased with Allah yourself and becoming pleasing in his eyes this is something that a person has to make so much dua for Lots of du'a, daily du'a, nightly du'a, a person has to cry in front of their Lord, begging their Lord, that Ya Allah change me, make my tab'iyat, make my temperament, my personality in such a way that I derive pleasure, I derive happiness from your ibadah, from your worship and from your zikr, from your remembrance. And Ya Allah bless me to be included amongst the people with which whom you are pleased. In fact, there were some Mashaikh who were even happier. There were some Mashaikh who were even happier and more pleased with Allah when they were in a state of difficulty as opposed to in a state of ease. Because they would say, Ya Allah, because you sent this difficulty down upon us as a way of test, Ya Allah, we're even more pleased with you because difficulty is a means for us to draw closer to you. But this is not something a person should make to offer. A person should not wish for difficulty. A person should be humble and acknowledge their, their shortcomings and their weaknesses before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then their dua to Allah, whenever they're afflicted with a difficulty, they should make dua that, Ya Allah, truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm trying my best to have sabr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm trying my best to remain pleased with you. But Ya Allah, you know I'm your weak and needy servant. You yourself said in the Quran al-Kareem, خُلَقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفَ That verily I have created humanity ضَعِيف, I have created them weak and feeble. Ya Allah, I ask you to have mercy on my weakness and to change my difficulty into ease. So difficulty is not something, right, uh, that we are taught in our deen to ask for.
end, right, if you want to look at what is the ultimate state of Allah SWT being pleased with us, that is, right, that Allah SWT should love us. That is that we would become the mahboob of Allah SWT. And as I've been mentioning several times these past few days, this is the barakah of sunnah, right? That Allah SWT said in the Qur'an al-Kareem, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ That, O oh, my beloved Messenger Wasallam, tell the people, if they claim to have muhabbat for me, if they claim to love me, فَاتَّبِعُونِ That they should follow you. They should follow your sunnah. That they should love you. That they should follow the path that I have laid out for them. That they should love my beloved. They should prove their love to me by loving my beloved. Right? They should prove that they really are pleased with me by showing that they're pleased with the example that I sent down to them. They should prove that they're pleased with me by being pleased with my messenger. By being pleased with the fact that the Prophet Muhammad is my, is my messenger. In fact, in the hadith, the Prophet some taught that we should make this dua. That, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّ That, O oh Allah I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. وَبِلْ إِسْلَامِ دِينَ And I am pleased with the fact that Islam is my deen, is my religion. وَبِلْ مُحَمَّدٍ نَبِيَّ And I am pleased with the fact that Muhammad Wasallam is my prophet and is my messenger. We should derive pleasure from these things. Right? Imagine if a person, uh, you know, I mean, when a person gets married to someone that they truly love. Right? Or rather, I should say, when a person truly loves a person they get married to. <laughs> uh, they derive so much pleasure from that fact. They derive so much happiness from that. And so when a person accepts Iman, when a person believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a person decides to take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as their Lord, just the fact of having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as our God should be something that gives us overwhelming pleasure. Just the fact that we have Islam as our deen should be something that gives us overwhelming pleasure. And the fact that we have the Prophet Muhammad as our Prophet and Messenger should be something that gives us overwhelming pleasure. So Allah SWT said in that ayah, tell them that they should follow, they have to do ittiba of the sunnah. And if they do that, Allah SWT will be pleased with them. Yuhbikum Allah that Allah SWT will love them. He will be pleased with them. Because they have followed the path by which they earn his pleasure. Okay? In fact, the Prophet said in the hadith that none of you has perfected their iman, none of you has kamil iman until each and every one of his wishes is in accordance with the sharia that I have brought. Until each and every one of his pleasures is in accordance with the sharia that the Prophet brought. So in each and every aspect of life, when you make your pleasures according to the Sharia, or when you follow the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, right? Then you earn the rida, you earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more love that you have for Allah, it's like, you know, it's a twin relationship. The more muhabbat, the more love you have for Allah. The more rida, the more you're pleased with Him. So when you love Him and you're pleased with Him, it makes it easier to obey Him. And then the more you obey Him, right, it becomes easier to be pleased with Him. And it becomes easier to love Him. So these two things feed off one another. In fact, Allah SWT has made a lot of things in our religion like this. That a human being has to just set the spark. And that spark sets off a whole chain reaction. And that initial energy, that initial moment, that window of barakah, that moment of yearning which they experience, that urge, 
like uh, like one of our imams said that Allah SWT casts an urge into the breast of people if they just act on that initial spark not only will that take them so far but it will continue to reignite the spark you just have to act on that first spark so when you get that first feeling of love for Allah or that first concept or feeling or taste that you're pleased with Him and you use that you channel that into His obedience into His worship into His remembrance right then by virtue of that worship, obedience and remembrance then you get more muhabbat you get more ridha you get more fuel then when you get more muhabbat you get more ridha then you do more worship more dhikr and so it continues and continues and continues this is the meaning when Allah SWT said ad-deenu yusrun that deen is easy deen is easy means that Allah has put things in it that you just have to start and He's put this incredible multiplier effect into everything in the deen Deen is easy does not mean that you should somehow change the deen to fit, right, our own individual laziness or sloth or to fit, uh, you know, the, the dictates of society. The deen being easy means Allah has put an incredible multiplier effect. He says in Hadith Qudsi that I am with my servant when she draws near unto me. If she comes near to me at hand's length, I come to her in arm span. That's the ease. You just had, you tried to bridge the distance one cubit and Allah bridged that gap by ten cubits. If she comes to me walking, I come to her running. Right? That if he comes to me walking, I come to him running, I flee towards him. That's where the ease, that's the yusr in the deen. So when you increase and you act on the initial urge or the initial love or the initial pleasure, or you take a leap of faith, you, you do something, all of a sudden on an urge, right? Just believing in the unseen, maybe it's still not rationally clear to you why that is construed as obedience in Islam, why Allah wants you to worship in, Him in that way, why He wants you to appear in such a way. But you take that leap for His sake, leap of faith for His sake, what you took was a leap of faith, in exchange for that Allah gives you a daraja, a level of yaqeen. He grants you certainty in, in trade for that leap. When you leave something that is doubtful for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not sure, right, if it's 100% haram. You haven't been intellectually convinced that it's 100% haram, but something in your heart tells you there's some doubt. It seems to me there might be something about this activity or this manner or this way of behaving that might be displeasing to my Lord. And you take that leap that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only will He open up, right, the hakikah or the reality of that act to you, You'll actually mold your tab'iyat, he'll mold your understanding so that you understand why that action was haram. You will get understanding of the sharia. Right? But he increases you in your darajat, he increases you in your levels of worship and obedience. And the same relationship is there between the sunnah and dhikr. Because Allah SWT said in the Quran al-Kareem, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رُسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That verily you have for you in the example of the Prophet Muhammad a noble, a beautiful, a hasana. An extremely beautiful, noble, excellent, pure example for that person. Liman kana akhira for that person who has hope, who desires to meet Allah and has a yearning for the day of judgment to happen. kathira and for that person who makes dhikr of Allah subhanahu abundantly, and the same relationship is there between dhikr and sunnah, right? Between sunnah means here in a broader sense. Right, following the teachings of prophecy, following the ta'limat al-nabi, or if you will, sunnah means attaining the kifiyat al-nabi, 
having the sunnah states of the heart, the love for Allah that the Prophet had, the humility that he had, the fear of Allah SWT that he had. If a person remembers Allah SWT abundantly, the more and more dhikr a person makes, the more and more Allah SWT blesses the person with following the sunnah practices and experiencing the sunnah states. And then obviously those sunnah practices and those sunnah states will lead a person to make more dhikr. So all of these twin things in our religion, right, they're incredible multiplier effects. Allah SWT just wants you to start. And if you just begin the process, begin the path, begin the quest to seek Him, Allah SWT multiplies that. وَالَّذِينَ جَاهُدُوا فِينَا Allah SWT says in the Quran that those who make mujahada, who struggle and strive in my cause for my sake, لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ subalana. That surely, indeed, definitely, I will guide, I will open up to them additional vistas, additional horizons, additional paths of coming closer to me. If they tried to love me in one way, if they succeeded, if they had muhabbat for me in one way, I will open up dozens of other ways of loving me to them. If they were pleased with me in one action that they did, I will make them. I will open up dozens of other actions in which they are pleased. I will open up dozen other ways in which they can be pleased with me. And, right, interestingly, just like we said, that in Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this ayah of the Qur'an al-Kareem, that was Rizwanullahi Akbar, right? That the Rizwan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was Rizwanu minallahi Akbar, that the pleasure that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest. In another ayah of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, wala dhikrullahi Akbar. That know that the dhikr of Allah, remembrance of Allah is greatest. So the greatest thing in this world is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the greatest thing in the hereafter is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran al-Kareem, فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرَكُمْ Remember me, make dhikr of me and I will make dhikr of you. Be pleased with me, I will be pleased with you. Honor the responsibilities I have given to you that you have before me and I will honor you, I will grace you with my madad, with my nusrat, with my help and with my blessings. So we should become people who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. People who follow the beloved sunnah, the blessed sunnah of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That are people of shukr, of thankfulness and gratitude. People who have sabr, of fortitude and patience. And people who reflect on these verses and reflect on the incredible fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was enough for you to have just been our master. It was enough for you to have been our Malik. It was enough for you to have been our Khalik, to be our Creator. This extra thing that you mentioned in the Qur'an, that you will actually love us, that you do muhabbat for us. This extra thing that you mentioned in the Qur'an, that you have Ridwan, that you were willing to bestow your pleasure upon us. Ya Allah, this extra thing that you mentioned in the Qur'an, that you will make dhikr of us, adhkurakum, that you will remember us fondly, in whatever way, kama yaliku sha'nahu, as However befits your sha'an, your majesty and your greatness. Ya Allah, we're so unworthy of your love, of your pleasure, of your dhikr. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is out of your mercy that you have given us this deen, given us this sunnah as a means to attain these states. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make each and every one of us people who attain his love and attain his pleasure, attain his qurb, his nearness, and become people of remembrance. وَآخِرُ الدَّعْوَانَ أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّنْ سبحان ربنا الوهاب اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم انا نسالك حبك وحب من يحبك اللهم انا نسالك منك 
Allahumma inna nas'aluka minka anta Allahumma inna nas'aluka rizaka rizwanaka fil dunya wal akhirah Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah, on this day we've turned to you We ask you in sincere repentance, Ya Allah To forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed Ya Allah, especially forgive us for those things that we have done That have made us displeasing in your eyes Ya Allah, forgive us for those actions that we did that earned your displeasure Ya Allah, forgive us for those thoughts that we had that earned your displeasure Ya Allah, forgive us for all the moments and opportunities that we had to earn your pleasure But Ya Allah, we squander them and we let them waste away Ya Allah, forgive us for not taking up the path of worship for not taking up the path of obedience for not taking up the path of dhikr in entirety Ya Allah that we haven't entirely been able to earn your pleasure Ya Allah we ask you to forgive us for these sins on this day Ya Allah we want nothing more on this earth and afterlife than to become pleasing to you Ya Allah we ask you to transform us in a way from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet transform us each and every atom of our body transform us down to the depths and the core of our heart and our essence Ya Allah in a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, make our outlook pleasing to you. Make our habits pleasing to you. Ya Allah, each and everything in this world that contains your pleasure, Ya Allah, let us be attracted to it. Ya Allah, each and everything in this world that is a means to earning your displeasure, Ya Allah, let us spurn it. Ya Allah, turn us away from it. Ya Allah, make it easy to do those acts that are pleasing to you. Ya Allah, make it easy for us to leave those acts that are displeasing to you. Ya Allah, we too want to be amongst the people when the Day of Judgment are addressed with this Khitab, anhum wa an Ya Allah, that you are pleased with them and they are pleased with you. Ya Allah, we too on the Day of Judgment want to be raised in such a state that Ya Allah, when we see you, we are smiling upon you and that when you gaze upon us, you are smiling upon us. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for all the obstacles that keep us from attaining your pleasure. Ya Allah, and widen and broaden the path for us. Ya Allah, make it easy for us to progress along this path. Ya Allah, out of your karam, out of your generosity, out of your rahmah and mercy, save us from the pitfalls on this path. Ya Allah, let us become people of sabr, of fortitude and endurance, Allah, when you try, test us with trial and affliction. There are people who are truly grateful and thankful for the countless, limitless ni'mas, bounties and blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Ya Allah, change our being into a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, let us submit not just our bodies, but let us submit our hearts and our minds on this path of Islam. Ya Allah, truly make Islam the most pleasing thing to us in this world. Make the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu the most beloved and pleasing human being to us in our hearts. And Ya Allah, make your obedience and love for you the most pleasing thing for us in our hearts. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, increase us in our love for you. Increase us in our love for those who love you. Ya Allah, increase us in our love for those who are beloved to you. Ya Allah, make us amongst the ranks of your lovers. And Ya Allah, make us amongst the ranks of your beloved. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samil alim. Watubu alayna innaka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin Amin